I'm reviewing here! What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Why Won't You Date Me, a podcast where I, Nicole Butcher... Oh, sorry, wrong. I, okay, let me start that again. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of I'm Reviewing Here, a podcast where I, Matthew Bussey, watches and reviews Sight and Sound's top greatest movies of all time. T-I-M-E, time. I got confused because uh, it's I'm recording this on a Friday. And actually, this is getting released on a Friday, I think, too. Yeah, whoopee, woo, T-G-I-F, T-G-I-F, T-G-I-F. Is that where GIF came from? From God, it's Friday? But why would a GIF, if, if it's like a loop, why does God, it's Friday? What's that have to do with anything? I don't know. Anyway, guys, Nicole Byer is the funniest human on the planet. And every Friday, she has a bunch of podcasts, but every Friday she has her Why Won't You Date Me podcast. And it's so friggin' funny. Why won't you date me? Why won't, oh, it's so good. It's so funny. Yeah, I highly recommend it. Oh man, how's it going everybody? I tried to record this last night and uh, my headphones are being little shits again. And um, I have to take them to Best Buy and punish them because uh, they are not working again. So instead I'm using these old, really bougie looking headphones. The, the headphones that are old that like slide behind your ears. So it almost looks like you have uh, hair so, yeah, I'm kind of getting some, uh, oh, God, what's that fairy tale? Uh, uh, Stiltskin, you know, the girl on the tower who's like, help, climb my hair, and I'll kiss you, and we'll make love. Oh, no, Rapunzel. Sorry, Rapunzel. No, Rumpelstiltskin. What? Who was Rumpelstiltskin? Rumpelstiltskin again. Also, what the hell kind of name is Rumpelstiltskin? What, people, wasn't that a Brothers Grimm story? I get my stories mixed up a lot. I don't know if we were allowed to read that, or if I was allowed to read that when, when I was a kid. Yeah, we mainly stuck with, uh, what is it? Uh, oh, the, the Bailey Schoolhouse Kids. Great books, never made into movies. I cannot believe how, because they're so freaking good. And uh, The Magic Tree House. Do you remember those books? Yeah. Anyway, this is not a pack podcast about books. This is a podcast about movies. And I'm, a, I'm on a high today. I'm on a very big high, probably because it's Friday. And um, can I just do something first? Because I've I've oh, I've always wanted to do this. Okay, so get ready. Don't worry, I'm not gonna attack you. Okay, this is this. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. So what's go? Who? Hello? What's going on? What is going on, people? What? What's what's happening with my voice? What? 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 I don't speak German, but I can if you like. Ow! Ich glaube, aus der Beklär es kommen Uskemonster aus be aus kann be flagen Fräulein Uskebeklär. Ich glaube, aus der Beklär es kommen Uskemonster aus be aus kann be flagen Fräulein Uskebeklär. Oh my God, that was so cool! Woo! That was so cool. You got, okay? Well, that was a Lady Gaga song. It's called Shaysa. If you don't know what Shaysa is, uh, do not Google it at work. No, it it, it means shit. Uh, literally, that's what it means in in uh, German. But um, oh my god, Gaga guys, I've just always wanted to do that. And this uh microphone has an echo effect. So yeah. Hello, Luke Skywalker. I am your father. Guys, what's the sound here? What's that? Is it a dog panting? Or is it me rubbing my nose against this nice little black uh, furry thing that goes on the end of the mic? Oh, I got... Okay, it's making my nose itchy. Oh, oh, why did I do that? Uh, now I kind of have a headache. I'm sorry if I gave you guys a headache too. But yeah, Echo. This is a very cool microphone. And uh, you should just practice your Lady Gaga uh, lyrics 
when you get a microphone like this. Yeah, it's badass. The hell is everybody doing? For real. You know, there's a lot of, I mean, there's always, everyone has an opinion on everything in this world and there's always something bad happening. I listened to that podcast Morbid and I heard in an episode a few episodes ago that like there are like more increased UFO sightings. Are the, are the aliens coming? Is it going to be like Independence Day? I had to reenact Independence Day when COVID hit and we all went into lockdown. You know, in Independence Day when everyone is running in the streets like, no, we're going to die. And they're packing up their, their cars and everyone's screaming. That was me. I remember literally getting home early from work and my parents and my sister called me separately and they legit were like, get out of the city, get out of the city, you're going to die. And I was like, ah! and I ran up to my room and I put everything in a suitcase and I ran out of my, ran out to my car and I sped out of there. Oh, so bad. I think I screamed too. Yeah, it was nasty. That was not a very good year. Oh, let's not talk about COVID. That's why did I bring that up? I bring up a lot of weird things. I guess I'm in a, a weird, I mean, I'm always weird and I'm going to get to the movie soon. I'm sorry, but guys, you know what's so weird? Dreams. Dreams are so weird. I had a dream the other day that I ate shrimp. What was the meaning behind that? I want somebody to tell me. And do you guys ever do this? Well, I don't know if you do, but you should. Okay. I actually have a Word document. The movie we're talking about today has nothing to do with dreams, but I've just, I just got it. I have this Word document where sometimes if I wake up and I remember the dream, I will write it down in this Word document. It is five pages long, single spaced, bullet pointed. It is so ridiculous. I don't know why Lindsay Lohan is in a lot of my dreams. Not recently, not for a few years now, but I mean, she is. I I think I know why. I think because, you know, she was like one of my first crushes when I was a kid. I mean, guys, when I'm half British, the parent trap came out in 1998. I was four, five, six, seven years old when that came out. And I love redheads. So to see a British redhead only five years older than you. Oh, my God. I was floored. I, that accent that she does, you know. Actually, we're all quite fine in here, unless Halle Parker knows something that we don't know. Morning, Marvis! Marvis! Is that her name? I forget her name. I am not a Halle fan in that movie. I'm Team Annie all the way. I think Halle is nasty in that movie. Okay, anyway. My dreams. Yeah, Lindsay Lohan's in a lot of them. I'm just going to quickly read a few and then we'll get to the movie because as you can tell, I'm very, very excited to talk about this movie. So here are a few dreams that are actually real. You wake up to pee and see random wild animals walking around the yard. You see a baby chimp running across... This is another dream. You see a baby chimp running across the yard and discover the neighbor across the woods has a sanctuary of chimps. You come to work and Roseanne Barr is sleeping at your desk and there's a giant boa constrictor slithering across the keyboard. She then gets everyone in the office Valentine's Day gifts except for me. Uh, yeah, that's I could see that happening. Yeah, we would not get along. Uh, you go out shopping with your sister and her friends and you all go out for lunch to this vegan sandwich place. You buy a sandwich and the bill says it's over $2,500. You complain and no one helps you. Your sister and her friends laugh at you. You get furious. <laughs> okay, here's one last inappropriate one. You mowed the lawn with Lorraine Warren. So the famous, rest in peace, paranormal investigator Lorraine Warren. Not Vera Farmiga Lorraine Warren, the actress who played her in The Conjuring. The real Lorraine Warren. The old Lorraine Warren. You mowed the lawn with her. 
and she had grass on her dress, and then she pulled her bra down and revealed her breasts to get the grass off. <laughs> Christ almighty, what is wrong with me? I, I, I don't, I, it's just so, I just found something about an unopened condom wrapper. Yeah, I, I won't get into this again. Oh yeah, there's a Lindsay Lohan one. Yeah. Okay, I'm not going to get into that. You guys, okay, Jesus Christ, we're almost 10 minutes in. The movie today is a classic. It is a controversial, wild, bat crap. I'm trying not to cuss. Bat crap. Oh, bat shit. I cannot say bat crap. Come on, that's ridiculous. Bat shit movie. It is by Stanley Kubrick, one of the greatest directors of all time, if not the greatest director of all time. A lot of people have seen it. Even people who don't like movies have seen it. It came out in 1971. It shocked audiences when it came out. It is disturbing. It is hilarious. It is wild. It is science fiction-y. It is satirical. This is A Clockwork Orange. oh my god you guys i am obsessed with this freaking movie just hearing that trailer you know there's no dialogue in that trailer that was the original trailer too they did a mod they did a new trailer when it came out on blu-ray many years ago and and uh it, it, it's great but i i want to show you the original that this movie is I, I, I like I've run out of words on this podcast, but you know, the only word I can really think of is wild. It's wild. It is so extreme. It is so over the top. And yet it's so ingeniously done. It is. Oh, I said that in a really cheesy way. Ingeniously done. It's so condescending. But um, you know, <coughs> excuse me. Um Man, where do I where do I even begin? Well, look, okay, look, if you're listening to this and you don't know anything about movies, quick uh, info about Stanley Kubrick. Stanley Kubrick was an American director. He was one of a kind. Uh, he passed away in 1999, right before his last movie came out, actually, Eyes Wide Shut, starring um, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. Still together to this day, just kidding. Uh, but um, Kubrick, I mean, look, this was a guy who literally in his whole career d did every genre perfectly in his in each of his he did each of his movies was a genre and he did it he did an erotic thriller slash drama eyes wide shut he did a war movie full metal jacket he did a horror movie the shining he did a period piece barry linden he did a sci this is technically sci-fi a sci-fi movie a clockwork orange he did a 
bigger sci-fi movie, 2001 A Space Odyssey. He did a comedy, Dr. Strangelove or Harold Lundgren's Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Not really a fan of that one, but I'm looking forward to rewatching that. He also did, you know, just a big old-fashioned epic movie, Spartacus. He did everything. He did everything. And I mean, it, you, you could read a million books about this guy. I have not read enough. I've seen a lot of movies. There's a great, uh, oh, I'll put it in the show notes. There's a great documentary on YouTube, I think, that was made just after he died, all about his career and, and everything. And, and his filming style, the way he, the cinematography in his movies, everything. And just the way he filmed movies. I, I gotta be honest, I would not want to make a movie with Stanley Kubrick if I was an actor. I wouldn't, um, because apparently he was a huge perfectionist, drove his actors, like, mad. Uh... The Shining is on this list. I cannot wait to review that. I mean, he and Shelley Duvall, he drove her to like have a nervous breakdown essentially because he wanted her to get into character. He really wanted her to go all the way and, and uh, 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 you know, play who he wanted her to play, this crazy mother. And uh, he he's an interesting character. And A Clockwork Orange, I mean, every time I watch this movie, I just don't know. I, I have to ask myself, how the hell... Did they get this movie made? This was a controversial movie. Now, this is based on a, a very, I'm surprised, controversial book by an author named Anthony Burgess. Burgess, I think that's how you say his last name. Crazy book. Crazy, crazy, crazy book. Uh, I cannot even imagine, like, how they even got permission to make a movie like this. Because when you hear the plot of this movie, and you got to remember, this movie came out in 1971, people. I mean, X-rated movies were getting a little bit uh, a little bit more prevalent. I mean, they were taboo, of course. But, you know, Midnight Cowboy was rated X. That won Best Picture at the Oscars. The late 60s, like 1966, 67 onwards, that is when Hollywood movies, they got a little bit intense. That's when they started showing some boobies. They started showing some blood in violent movies. They started cussing more in movies. They started doing drugs more in movies. Yeah, they they went they they uh, broke some boundaries. And A Clockwork Orange, I mean, this is like uncompromising in every way. Uh, so anyway, based on a very popular book by Anthony Burgess, I read the book. The book is written in a very uh, peculiar language, uh, and the language is, uh, it's Droog language. Uh, It's a Russian influence Argo, actually. No, I'm sorry, I got that wrong. Yeah, it's it's an Argo, it's called called Nadsat, N-A-D-S-A-T. It's fictional, of course, but I call it Droog language. Now, what is a Droog? And a clockwork orange, let's get right to business. Okay. Drugs in A Clockwork Orange. A Clockwork Orange is set in uh, like a futuristic England and it's dystopian. It's completely dystopian. You you watch the movie and you don't even know if there's like a government. I mean, you do find out that later there is, but I mean, Drugs. Uh, so Alex DeLarge, played by the incredible Malcolm McDowell in this movie. Oh, he's one of the most iconic performances ever. He is a droog in this film. He and his three friends, their names are Georgie, Dim, and Pete. They call themselves droogs. They are delinquents. Uh, they are dangerous, like, psychopaths, basically. They, they like to go out in the middle of the night, rob people, rape women, drive fast on the highway and, and pretend to hit people and, and cause mayhem. They're insane. 
they're absolutely insane. And, you know, they spend their nights, the movie starts off so powerfully and creepily. It starts off, you know, the music is intense. And then there's a close-up of Alex. He's he's wearing uh, this, like, black top hat. And he and his and the Drukes, they're, they're dressed so strangely. They're wearing these, like, white suits. But it looks like they're wearing diapers, too. It, it's so bizarre. And they're at their, their bar, quote-unquote. Uh, it is... It's a bar, but they drink milk. It's it's dr- it's drug lad. It's it's drugs though, but it's milk. So it's these long, big uh, glasses of milk. And they they this bar that they're into it. This is like a big theme about this movie. You know, got to remember this is futuristic England. Everything is hypersexualized. Everything at this bar. You know, the camera pans back, and there are naked mannequins, female mannequins, in these really explicit sexual positions, you know, uh, that's a big deal. And it's going to be a bigger deal. Uh, well, there's a lot of sex and nudity and rape in this movie. And also, I just want to apologize too about all the rape. My last episode, Mouchette, which probably depressed you to death, also had a rape in it. Um, yes, Alex is a rapist in this movie. And, uh, just stick, bear with me though. Bear with me. Okay. I, uh, I'll also say too, like as a kid, A Clockwork Orange, it was like, you know, it was always that movie that I was like, God, what is that crazy, weird movie? Who is that guy on the poster with like that weird little eyelash makeup thing? And what's with all the Beethoven? Is Beethoven like the dog in the movie? Like, what is this? Can you imagine if they did A Clockwork Orange and Beethoven, the dog movie, if they did like a spinoff of that? A Clockwork Beethoven. Yeah. Beethoven's Clockwork Orange. What if Beethoven was like the horrible delinquent oh that would be well they already made a movie it's called Cujo also played by St. Bernard anyway uh okay wow I get off topic really quickly okay this is futuristic England these droogs they're nutcases they're meant to be like teenagers too Alex is meant to be 17 in this in the book he's actually 15 but that to do that in a movie oh my god are you kidding that would be impossible that they would get like fired like immediately because what you see, this is, you know, I'm only like, what, like a minute into the movie. The rest of this movie, what you see Alex and his droogs do is just absolutely abysmal. And they're not the only people. You know, in town, there are a lot of other uh, groups of, of these crazy delinquents. You know, it cuts to the next scene. It's like an abandoned theater and there's a bunch of men uh, sexually assaulting a woman. You know, they're ripping her clothes off. And Alex and, and uh, his droogs, you know, George, Dim, and Pete, Georgie, Dim, and Pete, excuse me, they come in and they have this big fight with the men and it's violent. And and then, you know, in the next scene, uh, Alex and everyone, they're, they're in a car and they're speeding. And, you know, it cuts to like the other shot, like the point of view shot. And they're, they're you know, just speeding in front of cars and they're causing these other cars to crash and the droogs i mean they're like hyenas they're literally laughing like ah, ha, 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 ha. that was a horrible impression but you know they're doing that they're just they're 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 new they're not cases they there's a homeless man homeless drunk guy on the street and uh they just beat him to death you know and not to death i'm sorry they beat him though a lot just for fun now, something real. I mean, this is all horrible already, but something, the story really picks up when it's very early on in the movie. They go to this fancy, rich looking house in the middle of the night. Uh, there's this old man there. His name is Frank. 
uh, nice old man. And, you know, Alex is like, oh, can you, they're wearing masks too. They're wearing these creepy, like, oh, God, they, they look like old, like, they look like masks that like demons wear in hell. Basically, that's like the best way to describe them. They knock on the door and they're like, help us, please. Our car's broken down. Can you let us in? And can we use your phone? It's like a horror movie, you know? And Frank is like, and, and his wife too. He has his, this beautiful wife uh, and they're very nice and they let them in. Oh my God. The Droogs, they come in, they tie Frank and his wife up. They, um, you know, gag them. Uh, and then this is a very famous scene. You know, Alex breaks out into dance and starts singing, singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. You know that song? Glee did a cover of it and they, they matched it up. They uh, did it with Rihanna's umbrella. Oh, God. And you know what's really funny, you guys? I took that really seriously <laughs> when that episode came out. I was like, yeah, I like it. And I think my roommate at the time did too. So they're doing that. Um, fun fact, Singing in the Rain, that is not part of the book. That was all ad-libbed by uh, Malcolm McDowell, and, and Stanley Kubrick actually really liked it. And another fun fact, uh, Malcolm McDowell said later said that he actually ran into Gene Kelly at a party. Gene Kelly, you know, who was in Singing in the Rain, and Gene Kelly was very, very uh, indignant with him that he used that song in such a horrible way in the in the movie. And Gene, it's just a movie, but I can understand that. It's very bad because, you know, they're beating these people up and Alex is tearing this poor man's, this poor couple's house apart. He's, he's throwing stuff on the ground. And then he rapes his wife. He rapes Frank's wife. Yeah. Um, you don't really see it. It's all very much implied, but uh, it happens. It's, it's awful. It's awful. It's an awful scene. It's an awful, awful scene. And you just want to punch this guy in the face. I mean, you really do. So we learn a little bit, a little bit more about Alex. Um, Alex, you know, he's a teenager. His parents are completely oblivious to everything he does. He lives in this super weird looking sci-fi house. He has a pet snake. And then this is a big theme in the movie. He is, he loves, uh, Beethoven music. He is passionate about Beethoven and that's a really big fast the fascinating thing about Alex all these years later you know that critics always admire Alex is a nutcase he's 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 a psychotic uh, psychotic he should be in jail but two things you know he's not a killer he he doesn't want to kill he just wants to cause mayhem because he's he's a sadist but he's a passionate man and this sequence is really, you know, interesting because he puts on that Beethoven music and, and, you know, it's all voiceover too. You know, he's speaking in his language and you're like, what? That's the other thing too. You know, you don't even understand what the hell these people are saying, but you're just so captivated by it. I mean, props to Anthony Burgess. Who the hell thinks up of a language? It's insane. I used to have a language. It's called, well, I do actually. It's called draw cap backward. So it's, it's. Just words backwards. So I know one to ten backwards really quickly. Eno ot reert ruaf eviv ex nevis te inen net. Yeah. And my name backwards is what's Tommy Sub? Yeah. It is a real language. I could get famous. I should start my own book, but I'm not going to include uh, mean characters like this in it. But there's a fascinating shot that, you know, there's a scene where a, a shot where Alex is listening to Beethoven and he is so enamored he looks like a balloon about to pop 
he is just like he's 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 uh you know squeeze his body language he's like squeezing his body and just biting his lip almost and he's just looking and thinking of this music and then you know Kubrick the editor of this movie Bill Butler does such a good job he cuts to a montage of these horrible images there's an image of Alex as like a vampire with like blood coming down his mouth there's an image a bottom a a ground shot image of a woman being hung there's a shot of a big explosion like a like a bomb like a nuclear bomb and you realize, oh my God, that's what Alex is thinking of. That's his mind when he hears Beethoven. He is crazy. And, you know, his probation officer, his uh, Del to- <laughs> PR Deltoid is his name. He's also just really weird. You know, he he's kind of dumb. He knows Alex is a horrible human, but he's also just a creep. There's a really uh, uncomfortable shot where he, you know, Alex is like in his underwear and deltoid is is lying on the bed with him and he just grabs alex by the balls like like yeah that sounded like a whip i didn't mean to make that sound effect how do you how do you make a sound there you go that's the sound that it makes (sighs) just further adding to the weirdness of this movie oh and it gets even weirder guys this is kind of a long episode i'm sorry but it gets weirder uh you know alex Skip school, obviously. I don't even think school is mentioned in this movie. He goes to this uh, funky-looking record, like, vinyl record store. Uh, and there's a fun little... Uh, if I, I forget if this is, like, a myth or, or an urban legend. Or not an urban legend, but real or not. But if you actually look closely in this shot, there's a record for 2001 A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Clever, Kubrick. Very clever. Anyway, uh, Alex meets these two young women like sucking on popsicles and they don't even really talk. They just look like statues really. And he's, he flirts with them. (laughs) This next sequence, it makes me laugh so much because I just like the next sequence, it cuts to, it's a one shot of Alex's bedroom and you're like, huh. And that music that you heard in the beginning, that famous Beethoven music, you know, that starts to play. And then it cuts to Alex and these two women having continuous sex and it is sped up. The whole sequence is sped up. So they're making out. They're taking off each other's clothes. They're, they're having sex. You know, so Alex is like. Like, it's so fast. It's so fast. Are they wrestling? What, what are they? What, what's going? What? Huh? What? It's insane. I think, you know, it's just another. Um, it's another reason why so many people, I mean, especially like film fans nowadays, it's it, A Clockwork Orange is just a cult classic. People just love how weird it is. It's so weird. It is. I think, you know, my favorite thing about A Clockwork Orange too, I'm, I'm kind of going to skip to the end a little bit. You know, my two favorite things about A Clockwork Orange are this. Well, no, my main favorite thing about A Clockwork Orange is this, because I, I don't want to give a, I have to talk about the other thing later. The message of A Clockwork Orange is simple, and it is this. Karma is a bitch. Don't be a bad person because karma will bite you on your butt. Yeah, I love that, and here's why. Alex is a little cocky son of a bitch. He starts to annoy his other droogs. His other droogs kind of are a little bit jealous of his popularity and, and uh, you know... They, they, they want to kind of like 
do more of what he does. You know, I think they want to be more, they want to do the raping. They want to be the ones who break down doors and, and, you know, lead everybody else. And Alex is like, guys, please. I, I, why would how could you even think that you idiots? You know, he is a cocky guy and he takes it out on them. There's this marvelous sequence where they're walking in slow motion and Alex beats them up and throws them in this, like, lake or whatever. I don't even know if it's a lake. It's just, like, a body of of water. And he, you know, attacks them. He gets out his knife, and he cuts one of their hands, and... Hmm, Alex, not a good idea. The next night or so, they go to invade another home. There is this old, really feisty, uh, woman, older woman there. She's wearing this, uh... Oh, God, what a gymnast wear? That, like, one... Oney? Onesie? No, onesie's like a pajama, isn't it? leotard no yeah it's like a leotard right that's gonna bother me anyway she's old and this woman is not taking anything from anyone so you know uh alex and the droogs they call her on her phone and they they pull the same bs oh can we use your phone please and this woman is suspicious and she just goes no i'm not comfortable with that this woman also two things she loves cats there are cats roaming everywhere around her home and she's upset (laughs) going back to the sex there are portraits and paintings of these really explicit sexual images all over her home and she also has a big statue of a penis hmm it's gonna come into play soon alex breaks in and he starts to play with that penis statue he's rolling it and this woman is again she's having none of it she's oh, this actress what was her name i forget uh, she's having none of it, and she goes to attack him, and Alex, you know, they have this little fight, and Alex picks up the sculpture and bangs it on her head, her face, and kills her. And Alex is a little bit like, oh, crap, I didn't really mean to do that. Uh, oops, and he goes to escape. Huh. He goes outside, and one of the droogs smashes a bottle. I think, I forget, I think it's a bottle of milk. In his face. And he does that just as the cops are arriving. Ooh, Alex, Alex, Alex. Yeah. So Alex gets arrested. The droogs get away. He's arrested. Alex is not confessing to anything. He, you know, he know that everybody knows that he's guilty, but Alex is just smirking at the cops. There's a gross scene where one of the cops spits in his face and you, you can like feel it on your face when he spits on him. Ugh, it's gross. Uh, you know, his probation officer tells him, Alex, you're going to, you're, you're, you're a lunatic. You're going to go to jail. You, you know, she died. You killed a woman. You've raped people. You've broken into many people's homes. You're a lunatic. You're going to go to jail for 14 years. So he does. He, uh, and you know, again, just add further adding to the weirdness. This, you know, Malcolm McDowell in this movie, I don't know how he didn't get any Oscar noms or anything. I think he got a Golden Globe nomination, but you know, he is going to jail and there's just this crazy sequence. The characters in this are just so out there. You know, there's like an officer asking him all these questions and, you know, uh, Alex in typical over the top fashion is just answering, no, sir, no, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir. And then, you know, they ask him to strip and hand his clothes over and he does that. And then there's just a random shot where Alex, you know, has to bend over and touch his toes. And then this guy kneels down, stands behind him, and talks to Alex in between Alex's legs. Guys, can you imagine filming that? Filming that. Now, Malcolm McDowell was no, I mean, he, he's, it's a body, I get that. And that, that that's also why he's just so good in this movie. He, he makes Alex so 
despicable yet so utterly captivating and fascinating, you know? You want this guy to get it, you know, in jail. Of course you do. But you just, you don't want him to, like, go off screen, though. You know, you want to see more of what happens. And and Malcolm McDowell, I mean, God, I just, I would, I would, I would give up my life. Well, no, I would not give up my life. Because then I, I, w- I was going to say I would give up my life to meet Malcolm McDowell, but then my life would be over. So what, that makes no sense. Yeah, Malcolm McDowell, I love that actor. Um, Alex is in jail, and then this, uh, he eventually is told that uh, the Minister of the Interior is doing this new practice. They're doing this new experiment. It's called the Ludovico Technique, and it's a type of therapy that they want to use on convicts and and, and bad people like Alex. They want to use this ex- practice this experiment to basically make criminals good people and alex you know being alex is just sort of like sure why not you know and another famous scene and if you don't like eyes just eyes in general uh yeah this is a hard scene i know someone who does not if you if you make your eye big she will throw up she does not like eyes very famous shot though alex is uh you know uh in like a a a jacket what's it called street jacket yeah street jacket and he's he's tied to this chair his eyes are clamped open and there's a doctor dropping water in his eyes and everything and he has to watch this footage this horrible footage of movies of these movies filled with these awful images of sex and rape and violence and all this time beethoven music is playing and alex is freaking out and he goes you know please stop please stop because he doesn't want this tech, this practice to make him hate his love of of rape and violence and Beethoven. So he's freaking out. And um, again, karma's a bitch. It works. Some time passes, and you know Alex is. They're gonna demonstrate and see if this worked. And Alex gets punched by this guy, this random guy. And Alex goes to punch this guy back, and then Alex gets really nauseous and almost throws up. He cannot punch him. He literally gets his fist up and then just goes, you know, and they push, they push it even further. There's this hot, uh, topless woman who walks out again, just credit to the cinematography here by John Alcott. You know, there's a shot of Alex. The music is over the top and Alex is crawling to this woman. He's horny. He's a horny guy. He's, he's a rapist. He wants this woman so badly. He's crawling to this woman like a dog and, and, you know, he is shaking and he, he, he raises his hands and he goes to touch the women's breasts and you just see a shot above her breasts and Alex's hands are just shaking and shaking and then he's just like, you know, he's getting nauseous again. He can't do it. The Ludovico technique worked. He cannot hurt people. He cannot rape people. He cannot have sex with people. He's done. And what does, you know, the Minister of the Interior say? They say, well, he doesn't need to be in prison anymore. He's he's uh, innocent now. He can't hurt anyone. So let him out. They also, you know, they these people, again, they say they say, they they do this t- experiment because they want to decrease prison sentences and prisoners and they want to just stop the crime in their town, you know. So I'll get to more of that at the very end of this, but, uh, you know, they, um, Alex is released. He goes back home to his family. His family, uh, have, his family has sold all of his belongings, his, uh, everything. 
and there's even another guy living there. You know, there's a funny moment. Alex goes to attack the guy, and again, he, he gets nauseous. Uh, karma comes again. Alex is walking on the street, and one of the homeless guys that he attacked earlier recognizes him, and he and the other homeless people come and start beating him up. And you're, and then, you know, these two policemen come in, and they stop the fight, and then, dun-dun-dun! Guess who two of the policemen are? Dim and Georgie, the other droogs, the droogs that Alex, you know, pissed off, the droogs that abandoned him and basically sent him to prison. They're there. <laughs> Alex can't beat them up. He's going to get nauseous. So they take him to this little, uh, like, bathtub, it looks like, and they nearly drown him, uh, you know, to death. And Alex is just depressed at this point. He goes to whatever home he can, and guess what home he goes to? Alexander, Frank Alexander, the guy who they beat up and the guy whose wife he raped earlier on. Now, this guy, Alexander, remember, he doesn't recognize Alex when Alex comes to the door because Alex isn't wearing that creepy mask. And Alex, at this point, isn't even acting. He really is just desperate. He's just going, please, can I just have a bath? Can I have some food, please? And, oh, this is the weird thing about this movie. It, it 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 makes you honestly feel a tiny bit of sympathy for Alex, which I feel guilty saying that, but that's the thing about that's the power of a Clockwork Orange. It does that. Um, you gotta also so you, okay, Alexander. He brings this guy in. Um, I'm sorry, his name is Frank, but his he's just he's Alexander though. Um, I don't like the name Frank, so I'm just gonna call him Alexander. He doesn't know this guy. He does know about the, this experiment, the Ludovico technique. Um, he knows all about that from the newspapers. Um, but he's nice, and he brings him in. He lets him have a bath. Alex, I mean, he's an idiot. He starts singing, singing in the rain in the bathtub. Frank Alexander hears it, and there's that really creepy shot of Alexander... His eyes are rolled back. It's a close-up shot. His eyes are rolled back in his head. He is clenching his head, squeezing his his temples because all the trauma is coming back of when his wife was raped and he he was beat up. And the fury in his face is so good. I mean, yeah, you are actually going, yeah, Alex, bring him down. So, um, basically, cut to the uh, okay. Cut to the next sequence. Um, I'm, sk I'm skipping a lot because I've been talking a lot. Alec uh, Alexander drugs uh, Alex. He's eating spaghetti and he drugs him. And Alex's face just boom, falls into the bowl of spaghetti. Plate of spaghetti. Bowl, plate, whatever. Um, and then what he does is he locks him in a room upstairs and starts to blast Beethoven's Ninth Symphony all throughout the house. So Alex cannot get away from this noise. And he is so nauseous he feels like he's gonna die he's running across the room and he eventually jumps out the window he tries to kill himself but he doesn't die we're nearing the end of the movie alex wakes up in the hospital he is in very bad shape but he survived uh he's given a bunch of tests by this really weird nurse with like blue hair and uh he suddenly finds out that he's he actually doesn't feel nauseous anymore when he sees pictures of violence and sex and rape and all of that. Huh. 
that's kind of weird. Was it from like him hitting the ground? You know, what, what, what happened exactly? So Alex already is like in a chipper mood now. He's like, you know, oh, I feel good now. Yeah. And um, the minister of the interior comes and he basically, he does the unexpected. He starts feed, uh, he feeds Alex in bed, uh, in his hospital bed. That's a funny moment. Um, it's just another quirky idiosyncratic moment that Kubrick does in this movie. But he's feeding Alex and he he apologizes to him. He says, yeah, I'm sorry, you know, we did that to you. It didn't even work. Um, but here's the, here's the thing. Um, you know, if you help me with my election, then, then it's okay. Like, you know, we won't send you back to jail or anything. And <laughs> all right. Okay. Alex is like, sure. And this movie ends with one of my favorite sequences. One of my favorite endings of all time. Beethoven's ninth starts to play and, you know, all these photographers come to his hospital bed and Alex is shaking hands with the minister and then all of a sudden, Alex looks like he starts. It looks like he's having a stroke. He rolls his eyes back and smirks, and the music is getting louder and louder and louder. And then it cuts to this bizarre, surreal scene. It's a slow motion sequence. Alex is having very obvious non-consensual sex with a woman um, in 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 the snow. It's like there's snow everywhere, and then there are all these people dressed in period clothing and they're clapping watching this spectacle this horrible spectacle and clapping and it's slow motion and then alex ends it in voiceover by saying this i was cured all right i'm sick and then it cuts to the end credits and it's the actual version of singing in the rain by gene kelly boom mic drop guys this is the longest episode yet, and uh, I knew it would be long because I'm passionate about this movie, and I'll talk about it for as long as I damn want to, so shut up. Just kidding. Um, this movie, I mean, look, I talked a lot about it. It's wild. Very, very, very wild. You know, for the longest time, uh, I thought about what does, what what the hell is a clockwork orange? What does that mean? And I found this article, it's by this uh, guy named uh, Anthony Parada, and the name of the article is, What Does the Title of a Clockwork Orange Mean? Perfect. Um, so I think, yeah, Anthony Burgess, the author of the book, he actually said, uh, he said this, I've implied the junction of the organic, the lively, the sweet, in other words, life, the orange, and the mechanical, the cold, the disciplined. I've brought them together in this kind of oxymoron, this sour sweet word. What does that mean? Well, I think it means this. Alex on the outside is human, but on the inside, after this experiment, he is like a robot. He's been trained to react to certain things. He's been trained to get nauseous when he hears Beethoven or, or sees images of rape or violence or, or wants to hit people or, or do violent things, you know? So on the outside, he is like an orange. He is like a, a sentient, uh, or not sentient, oranges. <laughs> oranges don't talk. What am I talking about? Um, he, he, he's like an organism, though. You know, he is. He's a human. But on the inside now, after this experiment, he is essentially like a robot. So that's where the satire of A Clockwork Orange really comes in. You know, I, I said that the main message of the movie is karma's a bitch. That's why I just love the movie so much. It's a movie. It's a fun movie. It's why it's 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 a movie that, you know, I've said it already. I mean, you, you hate this guy, but you're just so intrigued by him so much. But, you know, the satire of the movie comes with the government. 
the govern you know this this whole Ludovico Ludovico experiment in the movie doesn't even work. And what's the point of it? Because Alex isn't changing. You know, when he goes back to Frank Alexander's house, he's still a psycho deep down at his core. He hasn't changed. The experiment doesn't change people. It's just basically the government being really lousy. So it is kind of, you know, Anthony Burgess and Kubrick, they're saying something here about the government. They really are. That's the comical thing about the movie. And then even at the end, the fact that the minister doesn't even do anything and he's just like, yeah, well, work with me, actually. You're you're a rapist, but whatever. <laughs> I mean, it's a pessimistic movie. It's very pessimistic. Um, I was, I read the book years and years and years ago. It was in college when I read it, but, um, I remember, uh, I didn't, well, no, I, I do not remember that Alex was 15 in the book. I also do not remember that Alex rapes. This is like a trigger warning. So I just have to, I have to say that in the book, Alex actually rapes 10 year old girls and Kubrick himself, you know, when he was putting this together, was like, no, 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 absolutely not. But that did not stop censors. That did not stop people from being completely outraged by this movie. This movie shocked people. I remember my mom, who's British, she always would tell me, oh, well, Clockwork Orange, yeah, that's banned in England. It was banned in England. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, well, I wasn't allowed to see it. Yeah, it was banned. It uh, was banned in England. There were copycat crimes. Uh, there was, this. this is really... um. Uh, create, you know, reminds me of another movie, uh, Natural Born Killers by Oliver Stone, that also had copycat killings. But uh, uh, in Lancashire, which is in the UK, I think, uh, there was a, a Dutch girl who, in 1973, two years after the movie came out, was raped, and the men were singing, singing, singing in the rain while they were doing it. There was another instance where a 16-year-old boy beat another child while he was wearing, uh, you know, the Alex DeLarge costume, you know, the white uh, shirt and the white pants and the diaper-looking tidy-whitey underwear, whatever the hell that is. So this movie, yeah, it, 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 uh, <laughs> it divided people. Critics either loved it or hated it. There were a lot of critics that did not like it. I think Roger Ebert, you know, uh, did not like it. He later, I think years later said, actually, it is a very powerfully done, disturbing as hell, but funny, crazy, dark comedy, dark comedy, sci-fi comedy, whatever you want to call it. There's no one word to describe this movie. It is just, it's, I have to cuss again. It's batshit. And if you know me by now that we're like, what, like eight episodes in, I like, uh, batshit movies. I love them. I love quick montage editing i love spectacles i love it all if it's well done and it's not gratuitous and pretentious people might view a clockwork orange as gratuitous and pretentious i don't think it is i think that this movie to this day there's there's never been anything like it uh there's never been a dark comedy that is that matches its brilliance ever 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 um so i do hope that you see it this is one of my probably top 10 favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's, it's, it, there is just, there is a, a, a wildness to it. Like n no, none other really. I mean, I've, there's wild movies that I love. I love Moulin Rouge. I think I said that in the very first episode, but th <laughs> that's more age appropriate. This one, you know, it is funny. It is shocking. It is satirical. It's, it's original. It's ingenious. It is, depraved it is 
in the end, though, just completely... <sighs> no words. No words at all. I mean, I just said a lot of words, but, you know, there's not one word to explain this movie. I, I cannot recommend it enough. I just think to this day, you know, it's it's one of Kubrick's, I think, one of his true greatest movies. That and The Shining are, are uh, two of my personal favorite movies. I cannot wait to get to The Shining. I cannot wait to get to it. But this movie, though, I also had the privilege of getting to see it last year uh, here in Philadelphia, actually, on the big screen. They re-released it uh, for its anniversary. It's... Uh, experience it in theaters if it ever comes on screen if you have a blu-ray player if you have a big tv watch it and just do not look away from it i know it's a hard movie to watch there are scenes that are utterly repulsive in it but by the very end though you will be shook and you will not get this movie out of your head i i tell you that with utter confidence so all right I think I should probably stop because I'm also starving to death and I need to have my salad. What am I making tonight? Oh, I forgot. Anyway, guys, this is awesome. This was a really fun episode to do. Um, I hope again, I have not depressed you with, you know, my second movie that contains horrible incidents that happen, but they're both fictional. Um, and this one, uh, and Mouchette, Mouchette, I'm still thinking about that damn movie, Mouchette, uh, you know, they're worth seeing. So I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you see this movie and enjoy it uh, and like it. I really hope you do. Um, click and rate and uh, rate whatever you think about this podcast. Tell everyone you know this podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Everywhere, baby. I'm really so excited for the weeks to come. It is so exciting. Um, I like literally the other day in therapy, I talked about doing this podcast and I was like, jumping up and down um like a freak so it's fun it's really really fun have a good day have a good morning have a good evening have a good whatever everybody and oh i wish i knew droog language i don't know how they say goodbye is there even a word for goodbye i shouldn't even be um emphasizing that because these are horrible characters <laughs> all righty i'll say in a british accent how's that all right goodbye everybody have a good night. I can't end it like that. I sound too stupid. Okay, bye-bye.